welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Coming up, two games, just one point. Uh, a lot for us to talk about. We'll hear from Gary Monk too, plus Cameron Dawson as well. Uh, and of course, we've got a game to look forward to at the weekend. Early kickoff on Saturday against Charlton. Uh, so first of all, West Brom on uh, Saturday. You'd have the luxury of a uh, couple of weeks away from it all um, before being uh, thrust back into it. It certainly wasn't a boring game. No, it wasn't, uh, but another frustrating afternoon and one of those where Wednesday, the bare minimum they should have come away with was a draw. And frankly, I thought the second half performance arguably deserved a win. Um, Yeah, same old story, isn't it? It's deja vu. I feel like we're just ending up sort of sounding like broken records, aren't we, James? This this is going to come around a lot in this podcast, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> and there's absolutely no way around it because it's just the same stuff all over. Well, let's let's break it down a little bit. Let's talk. Let's talk uh, about positives first, because uh, as a general positive, we for large parts of that game matched, if not outplayed, the team that are top of the league. Absolutely, and I think they can. You know, they could take a lot of credit for the second half display, particularly. I thought first half West Brom. I I would say they're actually as good as I've seen this season. I thought first half they they looked a pretty accomplished side without creating loads of chances, and absolutely playing Wednesday off the park. I, I just thought they still looked a very classy team to me, and you, you know their forwards are going to cause. You know, trouble to so many teams uh, so in, in many ways that's why it's no disgrace for Wednesday to not get anything at West Brom but then I think to play on the front foot show the character and get back in the match get that equaliser Morgan Fox then hits the crossbar couple of other moments as well there was one period where I think it was Hegazi that tried to play out from the back for West Brom, gives the ball away. Wednesday had a sort of 2-1-1. They didn't capitalise on it. And yeah, that's the recurring theme. True what you say about West Brom. I think that there, at times it was quite effortless for them to carve out openings. It was hard work for Wednesday. We, we had to work hard to create chances in that game. There were points where it felt like West Brom probably weren't they certainly weren't on a, a a good day for them but they were still able to um create chances without having to try too hard oh that uh, first goal uh for a defensive point of view uh we haven't seen actually Wednesday concede too many like that this season it, one of the few examples where Julian Berner was completely done for pace and where uh I mean in defense of Julian Berner the uh, I think it was Pereira given far too much time to actually put that ball through. I think it was Stephen Fletcher who'd given the ball away cheaply and then West Brom was straight onto Wednesday's defence. Uh, but we haven't seen that very often. So, you know, I think that's probably one of the few times where you could say that, uh, you know, Julian Burner was maybe at fault. Uh, Blackburn game, perhaps another one for a goal. Uh, but even then, you know, on another day, Kieran Westwood maybe would have bailed him out, but instead. Uh, Robson Carnu put it through his legs, and that's sort of the way it's been going for Kieran Westwood. Yeah, I mean, we'll 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 talk more about Kieran Westwood um, later on. Not just Kieran Westwood, the goalkeeping situation. We're going to hear from um, Cameron Dawson as well. Um, I've got to admit, I mean, looking back, there's been another game since, so my my recollection of the West Brom game becomes a little bit clouded. But 
I can't particularly remember any one single performance that stands out. I, I thought we we did play some nice stuff in the second half, but um, there wasn't anyone that really kind of you know head and shoulders seemed to have a fantastic game. And I don't mean that as a, a negative. Maybe that means it was a good kind of you know team effort in the in the second half to create some of the chances. Mm. The problem comes whereby you could you can pick on a few people that didn't have a good game. And you love doing that. And uh, <laughs> there was, I mean, let's, you know, th- there's there's no way of describing what happened at the back end of that game other than it was just a capitulation, wasn't it? It just absolutely, it well and truly fell, it just fell to bits. It fell to bits. Um, it was uh, defensive calamity. Um, and, you know, to make matters worse, Liam Palmer just loses his, his head. It, ju- it just fell to bits. Uh, yeah, and that's where Gary Monk, uh, I think, was quite right, really, where uh, he, he didn't blame Kieran Westwood completely for that winner, and rightly so, because uh, between, I think, actually Liam Palmer and Dominic Iorfa, they both had their arms in the air trying to play offside. He played to the whistle. It's, it's fundamentals, you know, that's that's what you do in football. You, you know, you, you talk that when you're at school. Uh, and these are experienced defenders, especially in Liam's case. And we've sung his praises a lot over the last 12 months as he's performed really well. But I, I think you, you have to you have to say that Liam there you know, did not cover himself in glory. I just wonder sometimes maybe with Liam, actually, it's the workload as much as anything, because he's now playing regularly for Scotland too, he's not having much of a break over into international breaks, so perhaps that might affect him a little bit as well. But, I mean, there's no excuses for that. You know, just that's just a long, straight ball that should have been cleared and dealt with. Uh, the the sending off, I, I don't want to pick on Liam Palmer here because I, I kind of feel like, you know, you... you at that time of the game, you defend as a as a unit, so there's equal responsibility for for that everywhere. The the sending off is just Liam Palmer rush of blood to the head, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, it was pure frustration, and I, I could see it coming as well because I think a minute or so before he didn't get a corner, uh, and you could tell you know he sort of he reacted angrily towards the linesman, so he was disappointed that he didn't get that decision and a very un- uncharacteristic challenge from Liam Palmer you know and his first time ever in his Wednesday career that he's been sent off right. uh, so yeah uh, and then it just sort of compounded a miserable day really for Wednesday when they should have got a result and then he's now you know banned for three matches and he's already missed one so far yeah so. Um, it is uncharacteristic Liam Palmer's not someone that you ever particularly see a, a temper from I've never no seen not before. malicious or anything um, like that but yeah that was why you say I think rush of blood is a good way to describe that do you th- was was Hutch quite lucky not to have been sent off not not long before that I thought his challenge was borderline as well no I didn't think it was a sending off I just thought it was daft and unfortunately we see a few too many of those from Sam um, and again, he's on eight yellow cards now. Yeah. We're not even into December. You know, he's two away from another two match ban. And you think there's been two or three of those yellow cards where they were so avoidable. And Gary Monk's spoken about Sam Hutchinson, where he said he doesn't mind when he's aggressive and it's a mistimed tackle, or where he's you know he's doing something for the benefit of the team. But he was never going to get that ball. It was ridiculous. On yeah, it was, it, ridiculous. it was. You know, and we're not talking about a youngster here. We're talking about a thirty-year-old former Chelsea, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, guy who came through their youth system and he's played one hundred and fifty plus games, so he should know better. Okay, so look, you know, we've got this situation in, in a game where we're, we're matching the 
league leaders away from home. We get the penalty, we get the equaliser. Um, and then you've got Hutchinson flying in, making challenges like that. The defensive capitulation at the end, Liam Palmer getting sent off. What on earth, what, what's going on? Now, the, the, the phrase character has come up a lot this week. Um, why is that? We, we, we'd had, we'd coming off the back of an international break, we'd had two weeks to work on things. Stuff that that stuff shouldn't be going wrong like that. That should not happen. No, it shouldn't. And it's players taking responsibility. For me, they're, they're making individual errors. All of them. It's it, collectively, uh, uh, and we've seen them go backwards now. Um, defensively, that's what they were strong and doing so well under Gary Monk. Uh, and now we're seeing them giving away these cheap goals. And what can you put it down to other than concentration? Because you can't tell me that Gary Monk over the international break won't have worked hard with his players on the organisation and the structure. He's huge on that. That's part of his fundamentals and the seven or eight basic principles that he's got. So these are senior players. The average age of that Wednesday team in the last couple of matches is, is over 28, you know. We bang on about it all the time, but this is, you know, one of the, if not the oldest squad in the championship. And and so at what point do we have to, you know, we have to point the finger at the players and say, collectively, it's got to stop and it's down to them. It, not not managers, not really. Managers can only do so much, but when they cross that white line, it's, it's down to them. The, this is really worrying. This is really concerning for me because... Th- there's this pattern here that we've seen with um, we saw it with Lee Bullen in caretaker charge. It started off quite brightly. Things went sour very quickly. Uh, it feels now with Gary Monk that w- we're in that same situation. You know, the, the chips are well and truly down, and I don't see any signs of thinking. Well, it's you know, it's just a matter of. I mean, we we could jump ahead here. Um, it's it's just a matter of. Um, this little ingredient that's missing when the character's wrong, when the mentality of the squad's wrong. I mean, what causes that? How do you get to that situation? Is is it down to one or two bad eggs in the camp? Is it down to a lot of players that maybe need to be moved on? Is it the off the field stuff that's hanging over the players? Like, what? How how on earth do we get through this? The players can't use the EFL charge as an excuse. I, I refuse to accept that. You know that is you know that shouldn't affect them. That shouldn't distract them. That you know they should be just concentrating on the jobs. They should be. Uh, and, you know, the players will always publicly say that, you know, that's not playing on the mind. And it shouldn't do. You know, they can only deal with the here and now. And right now, Wednesday haven't been docked any points. So uh, they have to, you know, do the old cliche of take each game as it comes. Uh, but they're not doing the business. Um, and, and, and I do think it just comes back to the fact that it, it needs a shake-up. It needs clear-out. And you've you got to cut Gary Monk some slack. The fact is that he's not had a transfer window to deal uh, and do any business and to actually you know, wheel and deal and put his stamp on the squad. He's inherited two or three managers, players, you know, who have assembled this team. I, I'm not. I, I, I wasn't meaning to try and make it sound like I was pointing the finger at Gary oh, you there were. Or, or attributes him blaming anyway. Because no. my my concern is that this is just going deeper. That this is you know there's a deeper issue there. That it's kind of like almost is it sort of rotten to the core that oh, I know, don't know. I wouldn't, no, I think the, un, the only that manager far. that seems to have been able to get something out of this group of players consistently was Steve Bruce, um, and at the first opportunity, Steve Bruce was off. 
you know what 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 is it you know it's i mean i guess we're at this sort of point with with the stuff that's happening off the pitch it's natural as fans that we are, are looking at a wider picture and you know maybe thinking hang on is there, is there just something wrong with this football club i think rotten to a core is t- is too strong I really do you know, you've got to remember this team is 10th you know they're not far off fair enough yeah but we're in relegation on, form right now yeah it's a dip and we know that they haven't beaten any of the teams in the top half uh, and we wouldn't be throwing that sort of stat and other you know two wins from the last nine yeah it's a it's a dip it's it's a blip they go that's what they're going through and they have to get out of this and so they've got to fight that's what the, that's what we want to see uh, and we've seen some evidence to an extent of that you know at West Brom again other teams might have crumbled when they've gone behind and they did at least show some you know character I, I you know you can't knock them for that but you but you were still thinking game management at the end when you've got senior pros and a lot of them, that's what they should be doing an awful lot better. We we come back to the same points, don't we? Really, yeah. which is when when you look at, the, I mean, it's such fine margins. We could have been three or four up at West Brom. It's not out of the realm of possibility. The chances if Morgan were, Fox's were chance there. goes in two one, Wednesday come totally away different. with something. They come at least. I think they get a draw, don't they? And I know we haven't got come on to Birmingham, but if if Wednesday score first. They beat Birmingham. They do, um, and and that's where it comes back to that ruthlessness and lack of, uh, you know, that final third. It's just costing them so many points, and then you throw in, of course, them conceding the way goals. I mean, let's 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 move on to uh, Birmingham then. First of all, you know, a few changes. Um, Cameron Dawson coming in was expected because Gary Monk had talked about Kieran Westwood picking up a, a knock. Interesting that he talked about. There was a decision to make anyway. There was a hint there that actually he he might have made this change regardless. I thought that was interesting. It was interesting. I actually thought as well that at the start of the press conference uh, ahead of Birmingham, he said that there were no injuries. And then he later, when I asked him about Kieran Westwood, he said that that's when you know, Kieran Westwood right. has a has a shoulder injury. Right. Uh, and that, yeah, Cameron Dawson will be in goal. Uh, but at least, yeah, he's put his cards... You know, on the table, and I think that's good for Cameron Dawson. There, the, the day before the match, that you know he knew where he stood yeah. and that he would be playing. And Cameron Dawson came in, didn't have a lot to do, but what he did, I thought he did very well. Um, uh, uh, Sam Hutchinson dropping out of the team. Uh, I must admit, I'm not. I, I wasn't particularly following things on Twitter. I'm not sure whether or not he was on the bench. So I'm assuming he, he was not, on the bench. Yeah. He not picked up an injury. That was a tactical yeah, change. Yeah. Um, I, I, and uh, the risk of jumping about a little bit here. I actually thought the midfield performed pretty well last night. I agree. Yeah, 100. percent I thought the balance was better for Birmingham. Okay, you're playing against inferior opposition than it was at, at West yeah. Brom. I thought, but you know that midfield had more energy. Yep. Uh, I thought. Massimo Luongo did a lot of good things. You know, I think the the best player on the pitch from Sheffield Wednesday, hands down, was Dominic Iorfa. He was an absolute man mountain. Uh, But I also think Massimo Luongo put in a good performance. Kieran Lee, I thought, improved. Um, uh, Maybe I think having Luongo helped him, took some of sort of that box to box and that trying to press high and close Birmingham down. I think having Luongu there definitely assisted him and I think Bannon did some good things on the ball at times from that sort of deeper position. Uh, And Wednesday had 24 shots. Not enough on target. How many were on target? Seven. So that, I mean, that tells you everything. I think until late on, you know, when 
they got the equaliser and then you got the barrage at the end and the clearances off the line and Atty knew you has that shot. Yeah, Wednesday, that was the disappointing factor that they didn't actually test uh, a young goalkeeper very much. If our season was going in a different way, we would be sat here now talking about how utterly unlucky can a team be? Because we threw the kitchen sink at, at Birmingham and Birmingham offered... Very little. I do um, think luck is a bit of a factor. I do. I think again. Well, this is this is the question the really green. is that yeah. you know was was it just an unlucky day or was it um, you know absolutely summing up our season in terms of lots of promise, creating lots of chances. The the end product's just not there. I think it's a combination of like say the game management side. That's what Wednesday can control. I don't think Wednesday the controlling the controllables as managers often like to say. I don't think Wednesday have done that at times well enough. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to say oh you know if Wednesday had a little bit more slice of good fortune that you know they'd be higher up. But of course, you know, there's been times where you know Stephen Fletcher hit the woodwork. I think three games in a row. So if if his opportunities had gone in he'd be sat here with nine goals not six you know things like that and and last night two off the line and added on time one on another day Massimo Longo's header maybe goes in uh, it, it's the way it's going and it's it's always when you're on that sort of downward spiral you're having that bit of a blip or where things aren't going your way where these things happen um, I, I made a few notes during the the game. The kind of the thing that really jumped out to me, particularly up until the point where we actually scored, was why are we just so scared to shoot? It just looks like we're frightened to shoot. And there was a moment on 16 minutes that's, that kind of summed it all up to me, which is cut back to Fletcher, who's got clear sight of goal. And rather than having a go first time, he takes a touch and the move just breaks down. And I'm like, do you know what? That moment just sums up our... Maybe not our season, but it sums up probably the Gary Monk era at Sheffield Wednesday so far, summed up in one move. The promise is there, but we're just trying to walk it into the back of the net. Mm. No, I, I can't argue with that. And you, you even look to the Kieran Lee chance in the first half. I think Kieran Lee from a few years ago would have buried that. Yeah. Really, right, it, if we're being brutally honest, it, it was a good save. Uh, but I like think if a confident and Kieran Lee on top of his game, I think sticks it away. Personally, that's just, that's what I think. Uh, you know, I, I remember you know in the playoff years, you know, Kieran Lee, you put him in front of goal. You know, that Brighton home game in the playoff as an example. You know, he, he I think you know Carlos would say they were killers. <laughs> you know, it's just like ruthless. You know, you just put them in that position and they would take a chance. And Kieran Lee, when he would chip in with half a dozen or so goals a season. Um, in his pomp before the injuries, I think he would have put that away. But Moses Odebajo, great hit in that first half, hits crossbar. And, and again, another day, that's goal of the season contender and goes in. Key word in there is, is ruthless. You know, that's, that's at the moment, whatever the opposite of ruthless is, is, is yeah. what is what we are because, Blunt. you know, it's, <laughs> it was it was actually one of the, the weaker chances that ends up being the goal, doesn't it? That you think, well, the keeper probably should get to that. It's actually, mm. it's a bit of a soft one of all the chances that we create. Um, we find ourselves still at this sort of crossroads whereby we just don't know what this season's going to be for Sheffield Wednesday. Now, um, you know my opinion on league tables at this time of the year, uh, but, you know, we're getting towards the time where they start to mean something. Mm. We've actually, we've gone through a period where we've, We've not done all that well in, in terms of points haul and stuff. We've not moved that much in the table. Mm. But there's a gap starting to form. And the opposite side, there's a uh, things are narrowing. 
you look kind of like the gap between us and kind of like, you know, the kind of the bottom four or five and it's very, very tight now. The next few games will I think we'll start to see some some serious movement. Um we'll I guess we'll talk about the Charlton game uh, after we hear from Gary Monk in a moment. Um to just kind of, you know, wrap up this kind of two games, one point do you do you take anything from it that are we are we learning much about what this season's going to actually be for Sheffield Wednesday? We're in this weird position that we don't know what's going to happen with EFL things. So we just, I mean, just, it all it felt walking to the match last night. You almost think like, it kind of feels almost irrelevant going to a football game now. There's so much else that's going on. But I don't know what what have we learned? We haven't. We, we haven't. haven't no, we haven't. We, we are. We can't take chances. We've learned that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what have you learned? Gary Monk. Seems to be a bit reluctant to play four four two at home, and I know that there were a lot of fans that were clamouring for that yep. against Birmingham after West Brom. They want to see two up front. I think that pressure comes from the fact that Wednesday have so many strikers, but you've got to say that he doesn't trust them. He or he doesn't think that they are going to execute his game plan to a T. Because other than I mean, Atty New is the one who's been given opportunities, but he's still not started Fernando Forestieri, nope. who I have to say I did think he did look quite bright at times when he came on. And in fact, it, it helps when Kadeem Harris against yep. Birmingham moved to the right. But I, I still wouldn't bank on Forestieri starting playing from the start at Charlton. Um, it seems well out of favour with him, doesn't he? Well, he just doesn't. He doesn't seem to trust him. He doesn't seem to have maybe the faith in him. I mean, he keeps saying, does Gary Monk that he will get his games, he will get his opportunities, but he has now been here for nearly three months mm. and he hasn't started for us yeah. area. So that's quite telling. And and to me, it suggests that he's not maybe doing enough in training. And, and Barry Bannon has actually touched on that this week that uh, maybe he needs to, you know buck up his ideas a little bit or work harder and we know that Gary Monk is big on the team and there are no egos uh, so possibly maybe has something to do with that I don't know um, but yeah, no Sam Winnell no Jordan Rhodes they again seem to have been discarded they weren't in the match day squad and haven't been for the last few weeks uh, so really like Wednesday've got a five-man strike force but they're effectively only playing with three so it's a bit of a again a funny situation, and and I think that's where I I do understand where you know Wednesday nights are looking at it and thinking it does seem a bit odd perhaps, and and when a team's struggling for goals and you've got forwards there, plenty of them to choose from, and Birmingham came to Hillsborough on a bad run themselves, and, and without an away win for a couple of months, you're thinking they're there for the taking, they've got to get a result, you know you're, you're wanting to get a win at home, uh, but they didn't quite manage it. Let's hear from Gary Monk then. Here he is speaking after the draw against Birmingham. From experience with Birmingham, as I knew they'd be very, very good on the counter-attack and I knew that was going to be their aim or their target in the game and, and that's where they got their goal from and you know it was a very good counter-attack and, and they had moments where their counter-attacking was always going to be the danger for us, so credit to them for that. But um, in terms of dominating the ball, we did that. In terms of dominating the, ch- the chances, we did that. Um, I actually thought tonight, compared to probably the last three or four games, it was probably as sloppy as we've been with the ball in terms of certain periods of the game where we gave the ball away a bit too cheaply. But having said that, the amount of chances we created, again, it's it's been that frustration in this period where, you know, where we just needed we need that more composure in those moments. Um, 
we need a little bit more luck as well with the amount of posts we've hit, the amount of chances cleared off the line or balls hitting the goalkeeper without them knowing. That's that's kind of been the case. But I think the good example of the work that we have been doing with the players in this period is you know probably Kadeem. You know Kadeem's. If you look at the two chances, the one where he scored and the one just before that where. I said it to him, you know, it's about when you get that opportunity to shoot, you shoot, you do it with conviction. He did the first one, it didn't go right for him, but to then have that belief seconds later to get the goal, you know, that's part of the work and a good example of what we've been trying to do with him to improve that. So, um, yeah, frustrating in terms of the amount of chances we've had um, in these last four or five games, chances that you could probably win 20 games with, but we have to keep continuing, you know, we know that that can't last forever and I know I've said that before, but... That's the truth, you know. If we continue to create the amount of chances we are and good chances, we know with just that little bit more composure, a little bit more work, um, yeah, that those chances will go for us. What do you have to do to turn it around? No, like I said, the work we've been doing, Kadeem's the best probably example of that, where, you know, I want the players, I don't, you know, I want them to have the belief that when they have that shooting moment, is to take it and do it with conviction. As long as you do it with conviction, regardless if it goes in or it misses the target, as long as you do it with that belief and conviction, that's the key. And then, of course, you need that little bit more composure and technique work, which we've been working, but Kadeem's the perfect example. He he had the belief to shoot. He didn't execute it right in the first one, but then seconds later, he had the belief to do it again, and then that's the key, you know, and, and not get disappointed by it. But I think we've been very unfortunate. I mean, you've watched the last four or five games, very unfortunate how some of those chances have not gone in, how they've been cleared off lines and hit posts and yeah. Um, yeah, but look, I have a really good group of players there. Their attitude's there, you can see it clearly. They want to score those goals, but um, it's not quite yeah, where we need it to be at this moment, but we're working hard to try and rectify that for sure. And with Bourne, is it Charlton, quick turnaround? Five matches now about when are you concerned about the run that you're No, I'm not concerned. Of course, I want to be winning. I understand we're here to win. Do you know what I mean? I get that. But we're still in a good position. We're still in a healthy position. We're still plenty of football to be played. And I've got utter belief in these players. You know, I've said it to them and I said it to them again at the end. You know, I've got utter belief and complete belief in them. And um, with just a bit more composure. Um, and a bit more luck in, in those moments as well. Um, the last five games would have been wins, for sure. You know, I think everyone has watched those games. You, that's not me just making that up, that's, that's the truth. But um, it hasn't gone for us and we have to get that right as soon as possible. But the players are working incredibly hard. You can see it, you see the amount of effort they're trying to give these fans something to a three points. Um, and we've been very unfortunate not to get those three points in, the, in or a number of three points in the last four or five games. What did you make of the impact that Fernando had? Yeah, very good with the ball and we know the quality Fernando has and I've said it, you know, Fernando's going to get his opportunities and move into the busiest period possible and he's going to play his games as they all are and um, and he'll be ready for that. Do you have any regrets at all about what you said with Pep yesterday in the pre-match press conference? No, look, I think that I wasn't saying it, I wasn't making accusations, I wasn't making claims, I wasn't making comments. I was speaking facts. It's the, that's what it is. Uh, I wish it wasn't true. I wish every part of my my body wishes it wasn't true. But I, I have to stay consistent and true to myself. You know, you ask anyone that's ever worked with me, I've been honest and open. That's how I am. Whenever you guys ask me questions, 
I'm honest and open and I try and answer them honestly. So I was asked the question, so why shouldn't I stay true to myself? Why shouldn't I be open and honest in that moment? And I understand, I didn't do it for reaction. I had nothing to gain from them. I know that, I have nothing to gain from that. But I, what I have to do in that moment, like I've done my whole life, is be open and honest, that's who I am. So I got asked the question and I was open and honest about it. Why should I shy away from that? But I understand the reaction. And the thing you have to remember is, I know those fans very well. I know them incredibly well. And I know how passionate they are for their club. I know how hard they will fight to protect that club to their last breath. I was part of that. And I was part of that spirit. That's what I tapped into. But I understand that. Do you know what I mean? And I respect that. But I'm not here. I didn't do it for a reaction. I didn't do it to gain anything. I clearly don't gain anything from it. I know that. But that's who I am. Do you know what I mean? And everyone that knows me knows that. And I think there's a lot of you guys in this room, you guys that were in Birmingham, I think you could... You tell me if I'm wrong. Every time you spoke to me and we had conversations, <coughs> you asked me lots of questions about difficult things. We had conversations off the record. You tell me if I was never open and honest with you. So it's like, that's who I am and that's the truth. So I was asked a question, I'm gonna stay true to myself and that's, that's all I've got to say about it. I didn't do it to gain anything. Mm. But if people don't like to hear that, then okay, I understand that. But I'm gonna be who I am, you know, and that's the key to it. But it is what it is and move on and, and we move on with, without it it's, it's not about that so um, before we talk about the Charlton game let's just talk about Gary Monk for a moment um, something a little bit uncharacteristic for, for him for football managers generally in terms of without too much prompting he had a little bit of an outburst about um, Birmingham's manager it was um, as I say something you don't see very often there was a lot of raw honesty there but an element of unprofessionalism to it? Well, Pep Clotet questioned class and and uh, for Gary Monk not to shake his hand before or after the match, it really sort of sums up, doesn't it, how strongly Gary Monk feels let down. Um, and the you know I mean, what and what was it? I mean the direct quote that I think he said with Pep Clotet is that you know along the lines of he pretty much regretted working with him and that he made yeah. a mistake. There was there was even like stuff where he kind of said oh interim head coach whatever he is like yeah it, yeah stuff quite very dismissive like, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean arguably I mean I'm I'm going to back Gary Monk because he's he's Michael's manager but arguably like unnecessarily dismissive quite quite rude. It added some needle. Uh, and some spice to the fixture yeah. that otherwise we thought we weren't going to have. Well, at least, I mean, fair, he, but, he, but, he, he, you know, he walked the walk, didn't he, by refusing to shake his hands. Like, you can yeah. tell he's he's annoyed about that. He's well, not happy. Yeah, and, and Gary Monk will say that, um, without saying it publicly, that, I mean, you know, it, it would appear that privately he feels as if Pep Clotet stabbed him in the back by taking over the Birmingham job when he was sacked in the summer. Um so that I mean that's what he was intimating throughout the week, really, in the last few days. And um I I mean part of me thought that I mean maybe was he saying it psychologically to perhaps take the pressure off his own players, but uh, I, by the end of the match and the couple of times that Gary Monks you know talked so openly and honestly about it, you could just see that no, his emotions are running were running very high and this is how he you know, he seriously feels about Pep Clotet and that they don't talk anymore. And um, it, it, very unusual, yeah. We don't see that really um, come to light very often, do we, for managers where, uh, yeah, that you know, they, they, they publicly just say that they dislike their opposite number. 
It was. Um, I just thought it was fascinating that it wasn't as if you know he was being particularly prodded by no. anyone. He, he offered that without really any sort of um, any sort of prodding. Um, let's talk about Charlton then. So um, they've had. Um, I mean, not dissimilar to Wednesday in terms of the fact they, they start the season really strong. They were up there or thereabouts, you know, in the first few games. Things have died off a little, as you probably expect them to for a newly promoted team. It's never a particularly easy place to go. Um, we, I, I remember going there. It might have been the last time that we played there, actually, in the season where Charlton were absolutely terrible uh, and barely won a game all season. And we went there and, and they stuck three pastors and it was an awful day, terrible performance and, and just really, really poor. Um, so it, it's, not, it's not really a happy hunting ground for Wednesday. No, I think you have to go back to... 2013, I think they won 2-1, Reader Johnson and Leroy Lita, I was looking it up earlier, they scored two late goals, Uh, but yeah, I remember it like you, the the last time Wednesday went there in 2015, when Carlos was in charge and they got turned over, good spanking that day of 3-1, Forestieri actually scored um, that day, Um, but it was a bad afternoon, Uh, and you look at it, it's a good time to play Charlton. Like they have got 12 players missing. You know They've got a serious injury crisis uh, without a lot of their key men. And they're on a poor run of form. White Wednesday, they're desperate for a win, but they're not going to be full of confidence. They, they got beaten the other night by Luton. Wednesday, yeah. have to, they have to view it as an opportunity, really, to end a frustrating week where they should have more points on the board on a high. You know, if, And if they can get the results at Charlton, you look at it in four points and you think, OK, it's not bad. gives you something to work with going into a very hectic and important December. I suspect somewhere there's someone recording a singing the Reds podcast uh, saying, good time for us to be playing Wednesday. <laughs> no winning five, can't score money for... Can't score goals for loving the money. Um, you know, it's um, it's not a bad time to be playing us. Uh, it kind of feels like it's almost a case of whoever is the least rubbish on Saturday will will win that game. Thing is, <clears throat> I mean that that's that's quite dismissive actually of Wednesday because there's been times during the last two games where we've certainly not been rubbish. We've actually played some decent stuff. Yeah, they have. if we can do that <clears throat> and it clicks, it kind of feels like we're almost on the verge of giving someone a bit of a good hiding. Well, yeah, and we've seen it happen once already under Gary Monk at Middlesbrough. Uh, so if they can rediscover that sort of clinical edge, it just would make a huge difference to their fortunes. You, you know it would. And um, it'd be interesting to see the team, really, what he does. And the fact is that Charlton have uh, got that extra recovery time. that you know, They played yep, uh, yeah, yeah, 24 hours. Uh, earlier than Wednesday, so that that will help them. And for Wednesday, you know they've got a long trip, and you would imagine there'll be a few. You know, there has to be a few changes anyway. I mean, what one straight away? Julian Berners banned five yellow cards, so Tom Lee's you would think will straight swap coming for him. Uh, Sam Hutchinson, I think here come back into the team. Right, I, just a hunch. I would think that you know you're going away from home, and you've gone a few matches without results. I think you want to go with a natural holding midfielder. So, what, Kieran Lee dropping out? Yeah, I think yeah, so. If you're sticking sense. with 4-3-3, and I haven't seen any evidence to suggest away from home, apart from the Middlesbrough match, really, where he's going to go 4-4-2. I, I'd like to see him go 4-4-2 and maybe play Forestieri with Stephen Fletcher. But I don't, happen, is it? I don't think Gary no. Monk's going to do that. I, I'm, I'm with you in terms of the fact that... Um, 
it just feels like this this Fletcher lone striker thing's just gone stale, and he looks a bit lost as well. He looks a bit out of sorts. Well, he's missing Fletcher. chances, yeah. He, he, he is missing chances. Birmingham, and, and he, 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 he could looks, have had at least two, three. Doesn't look the same, doesn't look as clinical. At times looks, he cuts a bit of a lone figure, doesn't he? He looks a bit frustrated at times, and you just think, ah, I don't know, it just don't feel like it's worth if if we'd no. got some some other wide players that we could bring in and shake things up a little bit but you know Murphy's not really been taking his his chance reach looked a bit out of sorts on Wednesday night I, I don't know but I I can't I I just cannot see him starting Forestier area but he surprised us before who knows who knows um if this is a big question if Kieran Westwood's fit does he come back into the team no I think you have to, absolutely. Uh, Gary Monk said, regardless of whether Kieran Westwood had that shoulder injury, that he was going to play Cameron Dawson from the start against Birmingham. And so I think Cameron Dawson deserves a long run in the the side, an opportunity to really stake his claim now for the number one spot. Kieran Westwood has made mistakes, and we've talked about it over the last few weeks. And I think on form that Gary Monk made the right decision to take him out of the firing line and, and Cameron Dawson now has the shirt and it's his to lose. Let's hear from him. This is Cameron Dawson speaking after the Birmingham game. Remember the boys was there, everything was there, but when you've got when you've got that when you've had as much of a game as we've had tonight, you know, you've, you've got to come away with the three points. So uh, back to the training ground tomorrow and uh, work towards work towards Saturday. What do you have to learn from tonight? Look at you know, there's no, there's no major issues. You know, the commitments there from the boys, the, the quality's even there in the build-up play. With just, just that final ball and then that final bit of quality, we need to, we need to start scoring more goals. Of course, we do. We know that. Everyone knows that. Um, you know, it's no, there's no point, there's nothing to hide. You know, we need, we need to start scoring more goals, and, and hopefully that'll come because we've got, you know, we've got quality players, so it will come. You know, we're, we're going through one of those spells at the minute where it's not quite in the back of the net, but belief in ourselves that it, that it will come and it's important that we really do believe in that and, and trust that and, and know that it will come. Right, on to our opinions. So uh, we set you the task of coming up what you th- what you think will be a good points return from the next nine games for Wednesday. We've had two of them already. 27 points up for grabs initially. I said 16, you said roughly the same. Uh, we had the the wildest variety of answers on this one, um, spanning from single figures to uh, people going in the 20s. A lot of people saying doesn't really matter because the FL will take half of them away from us. Uh, and a real mixture. I couldn't really, I, I would normally kind of give you like an average, but it was so spread out that I don't feel like I can do. Some good points if you want to have a look at those on uh, Twitter. This time we're going to go back to a conversation that we were having just a few minutes ago, which is... Um, who are you classing now as Wednesday's number one goalkeeper? Or who do you think should be Wednesday's number one goalkeeper? Let's phrase it like that. Who do you think should be Wednesday's number one? Kieran Westwood, Cameron Dawson. What are you saying? Cameron Dawson. I think right now, Cameron Dawson, well, he's now chosen as the number one. I think Cameron Dawson will be in the team for the foreseeable future until he drops a clanger or two or makes a mistake and, I, and hopefully he won't do that touch wood and, and Cameron Dawson hasn't done a lot wrong this season actually if you look at the he's played half a dozen seven times this season and he's kept quite a few clean sheets and I think he's done well I think he's he's growing now 
as a goalkeeper in stature and confidence. But yeah, Kieran Westwood, you're going on past track record, aren't you? You're going on and yeah. So and, that, and that's the side of the fence that I'm slightly leaning towards. The, the I think with goalkeepers that it's all about experience. It's um, reading of the game. It's the split second it takes you to just know something. The problem being that Kieran Westwood has all that knowledge, but maybe not used it that well uh, at times this season. But I'm, I'm I've got to stick with I've got to stick with. Kieran Westwood. Yeah, uh, we'll put it to you then. If you want to cast your uh, vote, let us know uh, our poll on Twitter. Uh, you can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott or contact the show at Dom and James. Thank you to our gold sponsor, Title Law, who you can find on Twitter at Title Law uh, or on the internet, titlelaw.co.uk. That's just about it. Thank you for joining us. Please do um, rate us on your podcast app. We would love a, a five star review if you uh, feel so inclined. Check the show notes as well for details of how you can become a Singing the Blues supporter. Up the owls and see you next week. (laughs) 